Mike Judge presents a new Cinemax original series about the renegades of country music, featuring the tales of Johnny Paycheck, Jerry Lee Lewis, George Jones, Tammy Wynette, Billy Joe Shaver, Blaze Foley, and Waylon Jennings. The only thing more epic than what they did on stage is what they did behind the scenes. Don't miss the music, the mayhem, the legends. Mike Judge presents Tales from the Tour Bus, Fridays at 10, 9 central, only on Cinemax. Hello, welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon-Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters. And I'm Ben T. Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And uh, apologies for a young to get remote recording, but uh, it actually ties into our concept for this week. Uh, so uh, I'm up north visiting my family. Uh, I had a family member uh, go through a medical procedure. She's recovering from it right now. And the way she is recovering from it right now is she is watching, working her way through the wire. Uh, she is on episode nine right now, in fact, and she only, I think, started like two days ago and that's which is pretty impressive and it's been fun uh, watching her watch it uh and re- remembering how great a show that is the wire is much funnier than we i always I, than i remember it being and i i feel bad about that well i mean the, the wire has is so dense that it's often hard to remember the specific moments that you really cherish i mean there's there's some that everybody's got stock ready to go um, most of them being when when McNulty and Bunker drunk together, but uh, you know everybody's there's those little ones that pop up throughout individual episodes that you're like oh my gosh I totally forgot that happened this is brilliant so it's always good to really appreciate yeah. it. go back yeah don't don't sleep on McNulty drunk by himself because that leads to amazing things like him trying to assemble IKEA furniture true very good point. Um, but it kind of leads to the question of like defining. You know, when you're not feeling well, TV is an easy thing to turn to. It's, you know, there, it's in your house, you can lay on a couch. It, it you know, it's oftentimes isn't too, cha- it's a, well, some TV can be very challenging, but other TV can be actually very pleasant and easy to watch. Um, and so I feel like this, the, the point of this podcast is to kind of try to define what makes the perfect, uh, you know, convalescent sh- uh, ep- uh, show to watch. What, what, what are the shows that, you know, deserve deserve more consideration as healing even perhaps in in their own way it's a fascinating question one that i struggle with myself especially when i'm actually sick because usually when i'm sick or i'm under the weather or i'm hungover or whatever's going on uh on the slow path towards death when it feels like it's encroaching a lot faster I don't, it's hard for me to pick out exactly what I want because I think one of the things I struggle to identify is, is I don't want to watch comedies when I'm sick. I don't know why, but I usually am just, it's, it's too much. They're like, they're either too busy or they're too fast or they're, or there's the laughter hurts my stomach so it doesn't work out. Um, but I, I normally a go-to is friends. I always turn on friends and that can just be in the background and it's good and I enjoy it and it's healthy, but I can't do it when I'm sick. Um, and I feel like that applies to most comedies, and I don't think that that makes a lot of sense. That's actually, I was going to say, like, Friends, it, it, I, I would totally peg you as a guy who would just watch Friends uh, for, you know, hours on end when you're not feeling well. No, I do that when I'm feeling great. Um, but when I'm not feeling yeah. well, for whatever reason, it, it just doesn't quite work out. And it's also, that also applies to new stuff. So, like, even the the new comedies, the stuff that I haven't gotten around to yet... Um, or that I just am not as familiar with, even that, 
uh, I'm just, I can't do it. Like there's just something about it where the mental capacity or the demand or the understanding or the ability to appreciate the subtleties of the humor. Um, I'm in such a dreadful mood maybe that I, it's just harder for me to laugh at these things so then I don't enjoy it. So then I'm just not in it. But there is also something about the strenuous nature of, of comedy, of, of laughing at a comedy, or just mentally keeping up with it that somehow ruins it for me, which I find sad, because comedies, as you know, are my favorite. I mean, I, I, see, I see the reasoning. It's kind of like that, what's so funny? I feel bad uh, kind of approach. Like, you know, you want, you, you, you want people who feel just as bad as you do um, on screen. Misery loves company. Uh, exactly. Though, actually, I wonder, like, have you tried watching BoJack Horseman while you're sick? Because that, on that one hand, that show is very funny and very charming. And on the other hand, that show is about people who feel miserable. Um, I have, and it doesn't really work. And I think that that's also, that also brings into another thing that, that typically doesn't hold up. And I, I mean, part of it is because most of them are comedies. But usually animated stuff is too busy for me. It's like it's too bright and there's too much going on, and especially in BoJack Horseman with all of the visual gags and quick transitions and music cues and like everything, it's, it's an overwhelming experience to watch it, which makes it great normally because you want to be constantly entertained because you know we're all, we all have some ADD and trouble staying focused on one thing, and that show demands that you do so, which is great. But it's too much for me when I'm sick, so that, doesn't, that does not work. Okay, so we've talked about shows you don't like to watch while you're sick. What are shows you do like to watch? Well, what's interesting and what struck me about you mentioning your mother was watching The Wire is the last time I was sick, and that is definitely not code for being hungover, I started watching (laughs) The Deuce for the first time. I was like, Ah. I'm on the couch. I need to plow through this thing. It's really long. (laughs) I'm just going to watch one. We'll see how it goes. And I loved it. Like, I, I, I absolutely adored it. It was perfect. And I have watched The Wire when I'm sick, and that works very, very well as well. Um, so there's something about the way David Simon and uh, makes, makes a TV show that really hits right in that mark. Now, I, I will also say, obviously, I've seen The Wire perfectly healthy and feeling great. It's just as entertaining, if not better. And I've done the same with The Deuce now because I've gotten to watch episodes after that period as well as re-watch some of the early episodes, and I like them just as much so you don't have to be sick but uh but it did help no i hear that um i feel like i feel like maybe there's something about the way way a way a david simon show feels where there's something that's not very there's something it's it's a it's so well made and it's so it's so smart but it's not it, 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 there's something like very like it's it, his newspaper background comes out at it because it's very like you know direct and to the point and not simple feels like a negative word to use in this instance but i think there is a cleanness to it that makes it really fun easy to process maybe that's what i'm trying to say yeah it's interesting because there's i mean his shows are so dense i mean there's a lot of information being given to you but it is being done in such a way that it, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like, you know, you're going through a, a textbook or, or you know, you're sitting in class or anything like that. Um, it's entertaining in and of itself, even when it's being educational or informative. And there is a pace to it that you kind of want to sink into. It, it's not like a lot of other shows that, that are going to overwork to make sure that you're entertained. It's like, I am what I am, you're going to like it or you're not but you've got to adjust for the show, not the other way around. So 
that's 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 definitely a contributing factor, I think. I mean, that in general, I feel like when uh, the one of the, you know, especially if you're sick and you don't want to like have to make a lot of choices, you just kind of want to work through one thing, which is kind of it plays nicely into the binge viewing model in general. But yeah, like it, what's very important with a good binging show is its rhythm. Like it has to have like it has to have kind of a pattern that you can kind of internalize and engage with uh, on just kind of a subconscious level. Yeah. And I mean, I think what's interesting for me about being sick is, and this could just be because, you know, we have too much TV to watch and as, you know, a critic and as TV reporters, you know, we, we end up being exposed to a ton of stuff. So we're always thinking about multiple options and it's hard to pick one i don't have a go-to is what i'm trying to say like i don't have like the one show it, it i would think it would normally be <laughs> friends but i don't have like the one show where it's like that's really going to do the trick every time i'm feeling down it's like i need to find a new one every time and that makes it difficult do you do you have a go-to or do you have like something that stands out every time i mean when i'm sick it really varies uh i i definitely have like shows i can rewatch over and over again at infinitum so it really depends on what my mood is, if I feel like it. Like, I can watch both comedy and drama, though. I know that. Uh, and have. And I feel like it, I feel like a lot of times, like, it really gives... The, the biggest thing is whether or not I'm watching something new versus something I've seen before. Like, that's, that's the toughest thing. Like, a lot of times when I'm sick, I really just... I don't want surprises. I just want to know exactly what I'm getting in for. Yeah, that holds up with with the idea that the idea that we'd be we need something to kind of relax to and settle in for and not be too overt like too strongly challenged by um which is obviously something that affects me, but it it, it is still strange because a lot of dramas have, you know, big twists or they have, you know, a lot of deep meaning. Um do you watch stuff that's that's more shallow, I guess, or easier to consume, or, or I don't, I mean, guilty pleasure-esque, perhaps? I don't, I mean, it varies, like, I'll tell you, um, uh, several years ago, uh, I, I was on, I was on the couch, uh, not feeling my best, uh, it might have been a Sunday afternoon, I might have been a little hungover, and I was flipping through what I, I just discovered my Cable box had this thing called on demand, a bold new idea. And so I was like, oh, huh. Oh, I tried watching the show the other day, it just premiered, and I didn't really get into it, but I might as well give it another shot. Like, just, I mean, I don't want to really, it seems like really chill, and I just kind of want to lay on this couch and enjoy it. Um, so that's how I watched Mad Men for technically the second time. Uh, but, <laughs> um, but I ended up really getting into the pilot the second time. I'd only wa- I'd watched the pilot the first time, and I was just like, ah, I don't understand what's what's with this lady at the end. It's all very confusing. Uh, but at that point, uh, there, or five episodes were available at on demand, and I watched all five of them, and I was like, this is a good television show, and I was a stupid person the first time. Uh, and I it wouldn't well. have happened without me not feeling well. Well, that's just uh, more, more reason to spend your leisure time going out and getting absolutely obliterated. Because apparently, it'll help you appreciate quality TV. I mean, 
I don't think that's the message we really want to communicate here. Um, oh, oh, sorry. I, I, I just presumed. I mean, by accident, that may be what's happening, but, you know, <laughs> these things happen. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go the other way with it because I've got an interesting, like, back and forth, and I'm not really sure why some of these work and some of these don't, but I'm going to give you two examples, and let's see if we can figure it out. So okay. one of the shows that I, I remember watching when I was sick last was I, I caught up on Gotham. Um, and this was, I think this was back in season one. Like, I think I finished season one, or maybe I was I was catching up a little bit into season two, but I know I still haven't gotten all the way through. Anyway, I ended up watching a lot of Gotham, and I really enjoyed it. It really worked. And I'd always, I've, I've always liked Gotham. I've always had an affinity for it. Um, ben McKenzie punches people. That's always great. Uh, but Gotham is, it's rather, it's it's bold. It's got a lot of, um, a, a very high production value, great camera work. It's I think it's won a couple of cinematography Emmys. Um, it, it's It's got stuff going on there, and it's, it's not an easy show by any means, and it's got some darkness to it. Uh, but that worked really, really well. Whereas something like um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I remember specifically trying to watch that uh, on Netflix when I was sick, and that didn't work at all. It wasn't it wasn't just the music either. It wasn't like the music started, and then I was like, oh, this is too much. I've got to check out of here. It was the whole thing, and I know it's got some comedy built in too, but it's not that fast, and it's not overly quippy. But there was something about the rhythm of it and the tone, and, and I, I just, and I, and I love Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. It was another show that I very much enjoy. Um, but I just couldn't get into it when I'm sick, and I, I'm not really sure why, what the difference is between these kind of things, like where the line is drawn. Um, so, Well, question. I think Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is, you know, pretty... You know, it, it, has, it, has its, it has its drama underpinnings, but... Totally, it is very much a comedy. So I feel like that competes with what you've said before. I don't know, though, because Crazy X has those great arcs where they really dig into some of the darkness within Rebecca, and they examine these characters who are going through a lot of things, and they do it in a light way that's very entertaining, and there is, there is you know, comedy involved, but it's not, a, it's not like a, an Arrested Development or a 30 Rock or um, even Friends where it's just kind of an onslaught of jokes one after another. There's no laugh track involved. Um, it's an hour long. It feels like when I'm watching it and I feel great, it feels very easy. Like it feels like something that just kind of washes over you and you enjoy it and it's it's nice. Um, but I don't know. There's something that changes when I've got like a little bug in me and it just uh, it no longer computes the same. It's it's not as healing as I'd expect it to be. Oh yeah, I mean that's. That's that's weird. I mean, I think that the, the reason I I think of I think of Crazy Ex Girlfriend much more as a comedy than a drama, largely because I feel like I've seen a, a fair portion of the episodes. I think this is my strongest critique of the show. Kind of lean on sitcom plots that I've never really liked, like largely based on deception. Like Rebecca gets a, Rebecca gets into a funny scrape, and then she has to lie and make up a story to get out of it, and then that story has to be backed up by another story. It isn't that wacky and silly. Um, like that never really plays for me, uh, and and I feel like that's that's I don't know that's that, it, it just reminds me of like really really cheap sitcom plot lines, 
and the whole show is not a cheap sitcom plotline. The show is incredibly sophisticated, but there is that commonality. Hmm. That's an interesting point. I, I, I'm not as perturbed by those, but I, I am usually annoyed by, no matter my state, I'm usually annoyed by storylines involving uh, elaborate, unbelievable deception because they usually take me out of it. It's usually like, they wouldn't do that, or... <laughs> Or, or that wouldn't work, and then you're just kind of lost until they eventually get around to admitting what's going on. Yeah, I can't think of the last time I saw a story, and I was like, I, I saw a story that where like the entire story that would have been resolved if someone had just been like, "I'm just going to tell the truth." Uh, that worked. Honestly, the only thing that comes to mind is if Walter White had just been upfront with everybody about the fact he had cancer. Maybe he wouldn't have to have become a drug dealer. But that, of course, is a much more complicated thing. Right. It's, it's an interesting discussion to have because you can't just lay it out there as a blanket statement and say you can never do that. Like, you can never base something in deception. You, have to, you just have to make it believable because obviously the Walter White thing works because not only did he, did he lie because he was scared or, or he wanted to protect his family or he just didn't want to talk about it, but he also had that desire to explore this side of himself. Um, so you're, they gave him proper character motivation, whereas a lot of the sitcom plots you're talking about, they don't get that deep. They just seem to use it as a convenience to make sure they have an arc, and then it feels like a falsely constructive narrative so that it doesn't, it doesn't work out. So it's a weird balance where you've got to have the right combination of of believability and motivation to make it work, which can obviously apply to most television stories, but it's also not something I'm going to think about when I'm sick. <laughs> I'm probably not going to look at the TV and be like, I don't believe this. This seems silly. I'm just going to be like, just entertain me. Just keep going and do something because I need to be distracted. Um, which I think brings up one of the last things that I had uh, I wanted to talk about uh, ahead of time. Not sure where this conversation would go. In that is that the main thing we need when we're sick? Like when we turn on the TV and you're not feeling well, don't you just want something to distract you from the fact you're not feeling well? So shouldn't just about anything work as long as it's still good TV? Like I think that's why I still don't go back to things I didn't like or I'm not tempted to try something again. It's like, no, I need something to get me out of this right now. So is that, is it like when you think about it, is that kind of how you think about it or is it different? I mean... To, to a degree, I think, like, you, you definitely want to be able to trust in whatever you're going to watch. So that's why I feel like I've oftentimes binged my way through stuff I know I should have watched a long time ago when I'm sick. And, like, I feel like, is it yeah, especially, like, when I've called out sick from work, like, I, I, I'll find myself just, like, I feel like I'll end up, like, being technically on the screener side of our job responsibilities much more productive. So you're like, great. I don't have to look, I'm going to ignore email for six hours and I'll just get through all the stuff I need to watch anyway. And I know it's all stuff I need to watch and that I will probably not make a mistake by watching. But I mean, like I, um, a, a family friend years and years ago, uh, 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 went through breast cancer and she talked about how, uh, when she was like in recovery from chemo, uh, she, uh, would love just nothing more than just laying on the couch and watching Food Network. And the big part of that was that, because she was able to, it was interesting, 
She could look at delicious food, which she wasn't really ready to eat, but she could enjoy, like, the food porn from afar. And if she fell asleep, which she often did because she was, you know, recovering, uh, she would wake up and more delicious food would be on screen and she'd get to learn about how it was made. And, like, and like I mean, I feel, so I feel like maybe the question, it, it, it probably very much depends on how sick you're feeling. Like, that's definitely a factor here. Um, but I think... Uh, you know, I mean, if you're, if, if honestly, like, you just want some, like, if you just want to look at, look at, look at things and learn about stuff in a very casual, no commitment way, uh, that can be nice. Like, um, like, actually, like, sometimes if I'm feeling really under the weather, I'll pick a show to watch that I've seen a million times, specifically because I know that if I fall asleep in the middle of an episode, and I wake up, and it's on to the next episode, it's not like I'm like, unless like it's an episode I dearly love and I'm like, oh, I, I can't, I can't not see that final scene again. I'm like, oh, I missed that final scene. That's okay. This next episode's great too. Yeah, there's definitely a level of, of stimulus that, that accounts for what you're going to choose and, and which series is going to do the trick for you. Because if you, you know, even if you're just have a cold if you just took drugs, if you just took NyQuil or whatever, and you know you're going to pass out, you're not going to put on something that you've been dying to watch because you know you're going to miss a chunk of it. And for stuff that's super twisty or has a lot of things going on, you don't want to wake up in the middle of something and be like, oh my god, now I know where it's going, but I don't know how it got there, and then it's just a screwed up adventure from that point forward. Um, so, I mean, that, that, that idea makes sense to me. And I, I think that people approach it differently. I mean, I'm, I've talked to people before who do use it as an excuse to watch some of the shows that they like, but they feel guilty about liking, or they know aren't at the top of their list, kind of like you talked about earlier, um, but more so because they're just like, I'm sick, I can do whatever I want. Like, I, I don't have to be held accountable by any standard, including my own, it's just, it's just whatever works right now is what I'm going to watch, because I'm sick, I feel bad, and I'm a baby, and that's that's how it is, which I... Totally understand. Even if I, uh, I think the lowest I'd go is still something like a like a Lethal Weapon, which is I would still argue a good show. Yeah, probably. I, I don't even think I was sick when this happened. Many years ago, I checked out for some reason. I found myself watching the Bravo reality show Millionaire Matchmaker, and found myself horribly fascinated by it. Ben, have you ever seen Millionaire Matchmaker? No, Liz. I think the only time I don't judge people for watching reality TV is when they're sick. So. Okay. Well, the next time I get sick, if I end up watching the show, I'll let you know. But it was fascinating how bad it. Like it was just like everyone on that show was a terrible person. All, none of them deserved love. All of them are just looking to meet someone rich. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It. Everyone who was involved with the matchmaking process was also an awful person. The whole thing was just like. A confluence of amazing stuff. Hmm. Well, I will never know, Liz, unless you tell me. Unless you tell me in detail later when you're sick and you watch it. Okay, it's a deal. Um, no, I'm not, in the meantime, I'm not asking you to do that. Well, no, it's, it's no. Well, don't worry. You don't have to ask, Ben. I, I just oh, want to do it for you at the goodness of my heart. What have I done? The truest gifts are the ones you never have to ask for. They just arrive. Sounds like a line from The Vow. I bet it is a line from The Vow, though I've never seen it. 
The Vow is a great film, so <laughs> I don't know if that holds up. I mean, I'm just saying. Like, I feel like I feel like the I feel like a, 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 that line must have appeared in some sort of Nicholas Sparks film, like just by the you know, thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters uh, principle. Yeah, if it wasn't if it wasn't in the film, it was a tagline for one of them. So there you go. Um, I've seen, I, I I know taglines. I see them all the time. Um, then the really important question beyond when I'm going to tell you about what happened on Millionaire Matchmaker is what was the best thing you watched last week? Well, Liz, to I think the shock of many and definitely myself, I think the two best things I watched in a week filled with broadcast pilots um, was first and foremost the revival of Will and Grace, which I think is less of a surprise. Um, I was actually really surprised you liked it that much. I mean, not like it's, horrified, shocked. I was just like, I, I didn't, I, I, I don't think I had very high expectations for it. So when you responded to it really positively, I was like, oh, I did not call that. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have super high expectations for it. I felt like it was a revival. I always felt like it was a revival that could work if they were really into it, because it, it, the characters are timeless and the the actors are still at the top of their game. So like, there's nothing, there's no reason they shouldn't continue on as long as they've got everybody back and they're enthusiastic about it um but i think what surprised me the most is just that compared to all these other comedies that i'm watching and i saw a couple of good comedies this week will and grace still stood out as one of the sharper written ones one of the better performed ones one of the more engrossing ones one of the better comedies out there like it it stands up with maybe not like the you know the hbo and and cable dramedies out there that that you know are really trying to do something you know challenging and different but it was it's going to be a worthy placement next to the good place when they hook those up on Thursdays or for their new uh must see TV Thursday nights because it it's they really are all trying very very hard and they came back with something to say like they it felt like each episode of the first 3 was geared toward this very specific thing that they'd been sitting on for at least, you know, a few months, if not a few years. So it, it I don't know how long that can sustain, but I think as long as these actors and writers are into it, I think this show will be successful in, in all the ways that it wants to be. So I was, I was pretty pleased with that. And then just to slip in one more little thing that's much more astounding, Young Sheldon is actually pretty good. Did you say Young Sheldon? Yeah. The yeah, Big Bang I, I, I mean, I, I, I know you were, I know you were on the fence, but I saw it a little while ago, and I, I yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was good. The performances were solid. Lance Barber really impressed me. So yeah, well, I, I keep, I keep hearing these. I've, I heard a few people say it was good, and I heard a few people say like the kid was good. It's a deeply sad show. It's, a, it's, it's. One of the saddest, most, I mean, not depressing, but it, it's got a lot of melancholy. Um, it, it, it's it's harboring a lot of deep feelings and, and problems within this family that need to be explored. It's not a lighthearted look back on kind of a goofy little adolescence with a couple of really smart, nerdy kids who grow up to be these Big Bang Theory people. 
it's 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 a look at a childhood that is about surviving like they're in they're in east texas in a small town and they don't know what to do with this kid who's incredibly smart and his parents don't know really what to do with him his mom's supportive but his dad's got his whole own issues going on it was a lot darker than i expected it to be and i think that's i think that's good it's it's much better than what i'd expected obviously but um i'm i'm fascinated to see where they go with it and how deep they stick i guess with with these issues so that's me that's my stunning revelation of the week um liz please tell us what the best thing you watched was ben we're posting this on monday i'm really excited to say the best thing i watched was three episodes of star trek discovery oh good it only took you like three days to be able to say those words well, I had I, I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I have a couple of things that maybe nag me a little bit, but uh, I I'm really excited for what I I feel like in the long run I think I'm really excited for what they're trying to do, and I think there's I think people are going to be bitchy. I think there's I think there's going to be a resistance to it that will drive me crazy. But there's so many positives, so much to discuss, and uh, I, I, I'm really excited to see how it evolves. Like, it's also it's also new Star Trek, and that makes me happy. Like, and it makes me happy in a way that previous attempts at making new Star Trek, like say Enterprise, did not. So, uh, I am still kind of like I'm still a little bit in wait and see mode. I also didn't watch a lot this week. Uh, beyond of course the wire uh but i will but yeah uh star trek discovery um was there for me and it was 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 something i was very very excited to see very very nervous about seeing because i really wanted it to be good and i don't know if it exceeded my expectations but i also think it challenged them in certain ways that uh, a great television show should do. I'm not calling it great yet, but I am definitely still working. I'm still, and I'm still, I'm still on it. Like this weekend, I have to write the review, uh, which will post Sunday night. So as you listen to this, you'll be able to read the review and you'll know much more about how I feel about it because I'm still kind of working it out. But uh, it's, it's not coasting. It's, it's taking chances. And I really respect that. Well, I am very glad that it's not the disaster that many worried it would be when the production issues started to get flagged and the timeline seemed to be sped up and slowed down and manipulated. So uh, I'm very glad that it's at least uh, a serviceable addition to the Starfleet that will uh, will make a lot of people happy. Excellent. Uh, So, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Liz, to continue shocking everyone until I qualify the statement. The next thing I'm looking forward to watching is the This Is Us premiere. <laughs> oh boy. I mean <laughs> season two is upon us. We made it through the Emmys with them basically only winning two major awards, Sterling K. Brown and, and the guest star of the Doctor, whose name I can't remember. Um, so there's a little bit of relief in that realm that it it didn't over it didn't surpass the handmaid's tale in any substantial way um but more actually i want to say the 
Go ahead. More, more importantly, Sylvester Stallone is in the pilot. Well, not the pilot. Sorry, the premiere. It, he's in the season two premiere. He, that is, that is promised. That is guaranteed he's in the season two premiere. They've talked about this for months now, Liz. Like, this is... this is. I knew he was in the season two. I didn't know he was in the first episode. Okay, sue me. I will sue you. And <laughs> now, now you're having me worry about my own, my own memory here because we know it's pretty bad. But I'm pretty sure he's in the premiere episode. I, I, I'm, I feel... Go big or certain. go home. Go big or exactly. go home. Uh, so, you know, it can't be all bad. It literally can't. And I've seen enough Sylvester Stallone movies and by that I mean all Sylvester Stallone movies so I know he can make some atrocious garbage but he's going to be a bright spot in this show I can I can I feel very good promising that so I'm excited Liz I'm uh, excited what if he's only in the show for like two minutes oh yeah he's well yeah he probably won't be in it much like, what's the minimum amount of time he has to be in the show for it to get above a a B grading? Uh, Well, you know, I I don't want to phrase it like that because, I mean, there there have been episodes in season one that would certainly be above a B, um, and those obviously didn't have Sylvester Stallone at all. But I will say this. If he's in probably a third of it, so if he's in, like, 15 minutes. 15 minutes. It's probably going to get an A. Okay, there. Challenge there. There you go. If this is us. Challenge accepted. Theoretically, on on, on your behalf, I accept the, your, the challenge that Ben puts forth. What if they re-edit it based on hearing this podcast on Monday? They had him at like fourteen minutes, and they're like, "Oh my god, if we can just figure out one more minute, we're gonna get a good review." <laughs> I feel they, like you should definitely sit there it. with you should. You should definitely sit there with a stopwatch the whole time. I mean, you know I will. If they give me a, like, I, I, got, I mean, the premiere's on Tuesday, so that's when I'll see it. And I've talked, I don't think we're going to get screeners. But if they give me a screener, I, I would definitely time it out to know exactly how much screen time he's got. So, Excellent. I love it. Yeah. Well, we'll see what it does to me. This Is Us was uh, <laughs> an experience for everyone last year. So we'll see what happens in season two. Meanwhile, Liz, what is the next thing you're looking forward to? Um. First, I wanted to add that the best, best thing I saw last week was Handmaid's Tale cleanup at the Emmys. That made me happy. Hella happy. Didn't get to and say that last week. I get to see it. For the win. And out for the win. A lot of other things for the win. Good good night at the Emmys, all things considered. So uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to uh, is, oh, God, there's a lot I have on my plate, like screener-wise. But... Uh, this morning I watched the trailer for this upcoming BBC like short film series. It's like a little experiment, I guess, in in, in format. And it's essentially it's it's called Queers. It's a series of eight monologues uh, from Britain, uh, performed by British actors, written by uh, what I think the trailer promises is Britain's most promising LG, most promising and prominent LGBTQ writers. And it just seems like a, like a collection of really interesting stories performed by great actors, including Ben Whishaw and Alan Cumming uh, and Russell Tovey. I uh, love saying Russell Tovey's name. Uh, but all of them are delightful, and all of, them, all of them look like they could be great, like little vignettes of television. And so uh, I'm excited to check that out. And that premieres October 11th, uh, which is coming out day, and uh, on the BBC. So you should check that out. Or I'm going to check that check out, and then out. I'll tell you if you should check it out. Check out. But Liz's it sounds like it'll be. Fu- 
it'll be a low key, a low key, low commitment sort of TV. Uh, that's for sure. And you'll be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you can also find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like about television and film, if you care about that sort of thing. If you do care about that sort of thing, make sure you listen to IndieWire's podcast, including Screen Talk with Ann Thompson and Eric Cohn, the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Chris O'Fault, and of course, the uh, alternate TV podcast, Turn It On with Michael Schneider. Yes. And uh, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Thanks. Uh, actually, I'm going to try something new this week. I'm going to mention that, hey, if you use one of those fancy podcast apps like iTunes or Stitcher or whatnot, you could rate, review us there. Uh, apparently, other podcasts say this at the end. And, you know, why not mention it here? If you like us, say nice things about us on the internet, and then other people will find us. But you'll still be, you'll, you'll be our favorite. Don't worry. You'll be special. Um, and don't worry. But the future episodes will be recorded in person and will probably sound a little bit better than this one. Next week, for sure. Um, but please, thank you so much for listening. And as always, you guys, keep watching television. Mm-hmm.